Yeah, and they also got like two very attractive and mm. they also got like two very talented and attractive actresses. They also got like two very talented and attractive. See, your actri- mouth can't even allow you lie. <laughs> <laughs> your mouth won't even let you lie. It's it's crazy. Hello and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast, a podcast about, uh, you know, stuff. This week marks the five-year anniversary of the release of Jordan Peele's incredible Get Out, so we're going to talk about it, along with another social thriller from last year, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And joining me to talk about these films, Get Out, Get Out, Get Out, it's Ebuka. Uh, I can't believe, like, you know, I was in fear this whole time thinking about what intro you were going to use, you know, considering Get Out and the, the like, premise of Get Out. I was wondering what intro you were going to oh, use. Oh, no, I'm not coming now. I'm not. <laughs> um, but yeah, happy to be here. I, what, what options do you think I was going to use? I'm not going to say, I plead the fifth. I'm not going to okay, say that. I ran through, I didn't know what to use. I was going to do sex slaves. Um, <laughs> How are you, man? How have you been? I'm good, man. I'm great. But what I'm actually excited for is that this is, I think this is the first time me and Banky have recorded one-on-one. So that should be interesting. No, I think we've done it before. What have we done? We've done it a few times. In a while. It's been a while, though. We did, we did What If. Oh, shit. Yeah, we did. We did Soulmates, the first part. Yes. But it's been Oh, before. yeah. That, that's, that, that's our best episode, by the way, guys. What, Soulmates? Soulmates. Let's go watch our Soulmates. Yeah. Let me start Soulmates episode, apparently. Um... We actually bought our souls on those on those episodes. Yeah, it was. Let everyone know what we feel about love and all that. Anyways, some quick admin, obviously, before we go on. Please, as always, don't forget to rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. And you know what? You can also just take your friends' phones and rate the podcast as well. No one's stopping you. You're all grown adults. You can do that. Um, in case you're new to the podcast, in the last few weeks, we've spoken about... Don't Look Up, we ranked our best Leo performances. That should have won him an Oscar. We spoke about Dune, a big episode on Dune. We spoke about our favorite musicals from last year, which led into a whole debate about what best high school musical film is. Ibuka, what's your favorite high school musical film? Um, I don't know. I see one and two as almost the same, like basically one big film. So I can't pick three. We don't speak about three, but one and two, I see there was one big film. Um, so we spoke about Nightmare Alley as well. We gave our favorite Bradley Cooper performances. We spoke about Passing and The Lost Daughter. We recommended some of the best female directed movies from last year. Uh, and last week, we spoke about The Fresh Prince himself and his Oscar nominated turn in King Richard on all the many times that Ibuka cried watching that film. So I doubt that none of that appeals to you as a listener. So please go check them out. Last night. I saw something in my dreams. There was a girl. And you are? Sandy. I got this kind of gift. I can see people, places, things others can't. This is the closest most people ever get to their dreams. 
do this? You think you can just walk away? It really happened. What did you see? Do you believe in ghosts? Edgar Wright, Last Night in Soho. This is the latest film from Edgar Wright, director of the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, the Cornetto Trilogy, director of Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. And this film starring Thomas and McKenzie, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, Dame Diana Rigg in her final film performance, um, Terrence Stamp. And it follows a young first-year fashion student who moves to... University of Arts London in Soho and basically starts to live a life through an avatar in late 1960s Soho and then there's a murder in the 60s which he has to try and solve in present day. I think that's kind of a good description, I think. Ibuka, what do you think of this movie? Um, Last Night in Soho was very fun for me. Like, I just yeah, I should it. say that first of all that we're going to have a spoiler-free discussion at first and then later we'll give a bit of spoilers, and obviously, as always, I'll put the timestamp in the description. Yeah, so you saw you're saying it was very fun. Yeah, so like first time I saw this film in the cinema, it was just fun for me. Like I came out and you know I was seeing people talk about the pacing and blah blah, and I I feel like I wasn't even thinking about it too critically when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. It was just a really interesting experience, like fun in terms of story fun in terms of visuals and you know how edgar wright is with his music so fun in terms of that as well so like edgar wright movie you know the music is going to be incredible don't you like yes i don't know any of the songs and like it's not my genre i'm not gonna listen to it but i'm just gonna enjoy it while i'm watching it in those two hours bro can you imagine you singing some 90 like 1960s showtime music like weeks after watching last night in soho that's how good that's how good edgar wright makes these things sound yeah for like the other day I was walking, I think it was when you broached this episode and I, I remember that Maya Luisa and I actually went to play the song on Spotify. <laughs> but yeah, man. I don't have any heavy critiques of Yeah, yeah no, I mean they might come worry, later, we'll... but it was a fun experience. I like um what else has Thomasine McKenzie been in? Because I really liked her in this and I feel like that's the first Jojo time Rabbit. I'm seeing her. Oh yeah, I didn't watch Jojo Rabbits. But yeah, I, I liked I liked her in that. And, and then she was obviously in Power of the Dog. Oh, was she? In a minor role. Yeah, she's the maid, the younger maid. I didn't even notice me. And she was 18 when she when she did Last Night in Soho, which I think is just incredible. Like What? Yeah, she was she was 18 when she, when she filmed it, which is like... Oh, shit. A, she's doing a lot. And it's not even like the acting, like a lot of the scenes between her and Anya Taylor-Joy, that, that's not like green screen. A lot of it is put put in the scene, like so. She has to mirror Anya. She has to do all the like. She's doing a lot of good work in in the film. Um, I like that you, that you use the word fun because when I rewatched it, I was just like I forgot how fun the movie was. Even before Ellie, that's Thomason's character, goes into the past for the first time. Like even though even when she's being bullied in uni, like it's still fun. It, the movie is just moving at a fun pace. I enjoy like I enjoyed watching the movie. Um. I can say that it's built as like a horror. I didn't find it scary. I don't. Did you find it like a horror? Obviously, I'm, someone as me, like me, who doesn't like horror, that was a good thing. Like I didn't find it scary. I think I maybe jumped on one or two points, but like I wasn't scared. Did, did you find it like a horror? Um, no. I think I'd put it more 
as a thriller. Yeah, so I called it like a social thriller when I. But we'll get into your your aversion to horror later because we're kind of talking about two horror films today. Yeah, we are, we are kind of talking about two quote unquote horror. Although when you talk to horror fans, they're like, "No, Get Out is not a horror film." I'm like, okay, that's your business. No, Get Out is very much a horror film. Like very. That's much. interesting because a lot of horror fans are like, "No, it's not a horror film. It's like a thriller." That's what we'll they always discuss say. this later. Yeah, let's just bring it up. Um, I enjoyed some jokes that came out on Twitter after like the tweet about someone was like, "How are you in university and being bullied?" Because like Ellie, like, okay, but, kind of did but, some stupid things. But but can we say something though? What? Like I can't believe when you know she had like thirty minutes in the film, but Jocasta makes my top ten villains in anything. I hate <laughs> her so much. <laughs> she was amazing. Oh my god! I like watching this film from the first. I hated her. So, I don't know why. Why is why do we hate her so much? Bro, because was like, she was good at being bad. It was so good. You know that scene, and this is not really a spoiler, but like there's a scene where Jocasta, who is Ellie's first roommate in the uni halls, comes back with a boy. She's getting with him and she throws like her top and, and Ellie kind of leaves the room. I would have stayed. <laughs> and I said, Oh, you think it's me that you're going to kick out because you want to have sex? We'll stay here together in this room. First <laughs> night. Uh Jocasta was yeah, like she was man. actually terrible. Yeah, right. Jocasta She's actually was... an incredible villain. Yeah, like she was so because even I think did she ever say a single sentence in that movie that wasn't bullying Ellie in one way or the other? Like no, she was immense. No, like remember she was like when 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 she was trying to do uh what they call it disadvantaged Olympics with Ellie. She was like, oh yeah, my yeah. my mother died as well, and then it was like, oh it was suicide. Yeah, I had an uncle who died of suicide. I was like, what is going on, Jocasta? Uh, even then in that moment you, you couldn't feel sympathy for her oh yeah it's 100% crazy. so there are, like I said there are two connections I had when I was literally when I was watching this movie in the cinema it was like oh I'm going to do an episode of this with Get Out because two things came to mind one there was a scene which literally connects to a scene in Get Out I will talk about that in a second and then there was a thematic connection which I won't talk about and basically it's the juxtaposition we can say of toxic white allyship as seen in get out and the toxicity of nostalgia as seen in last night in soho so we're going to talk about those two things or rather mostly the soho you know i love that you brought this up in our spoiler field discussion in a second yeah i love that you brought this up because even if you didn't bring it up i was going to say all you i want i was born in the wrong generation (laughs) this is a love letter this film is a love letter to you yeah okay so let's I'm going to take one little mini break and then we'll come back and talk about so we're going to give you guys some time to skip if you don't want to hear the spoilers. Okay, so spoiler time. Before going into any specific spoilers, Ebuka, um, please, can you tell our five listeners the point in this film at which you laughed the most, apparently? Oh, yes. I remember I messaged Banky this year and, you know, I actually started getting scared because I was like, Everyone in the cinema is going to think I'm some sort of sickle because I'm laughing at this point in the film. Yeah. But it's literally when, um, forgot his name. Man. So for, for anyone who might have not watched the movie, like, paints the picture for them. Okay, so Eloise is the main character and her, mm. I don't want to say love interest in this film is a black man, right? She doesn't seem like she cares for him much, but he really, really does like her. You know, I, I kept, when I rewatched the film, I was like, damn, this guy can love bro like <laughs> yeah, love. there are points where but it was yeah. like i was like okay bro bro like <laughs> i understand you want to be an ally Chill. bro 
chill. Like you don't need like you can go this is first year of uni, you can calm down, you go live your life. You don't need to help her this much. So this guy, yeah, him and Eloise are outside, you know, after a night out. Bear in mind they both took drinks from someone who hates Eloise, so we don't know what's in their system. Mm-hmm. So you know, she invites him over to hers. She drops the innuendo like, "I don't want to sleep," and he's like, "Yeah, we're about to get a cracking." So they and listen to this, yeah. Her landlady has a rule that has like no boys upstairs. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, they get upstairs and they start kissing. Eloise starts having visions of something really terrible happening. Of a murder. And she yeah. start, yeah, of a murder, and then she starts screaming, "Get off her!" Obviously, she's not talking to her love interest and he's like i'm not even on her and this guy is terrified for his life and i'm just in the cinema like trying my best not to laugh too hard because i'm thinking like all these people around me are gonna think i was just because i was like you know and the thing is like it wasn't even like a laughter of fun it was not even a nervous laughter it was a laughter of like what the fuck do you even do in this situation like you are so fucked (laughs) you know Maybe it says something about us deep down. I don't know. I don't have to we'll outsource that to our therapist. Shout out Kendall Roy. But um, in that moment, that was the scariest moment for me in that film. Like, I, I kept on going like, oh no. Oh no. Oh, You know, when he hits when he hits the window or the dressing thingy, the cabinet and the glass breaks, I'm like, holy fuck, this guy's DNA is going to be here. There's going to be blood. I could only see like, the, the doomsday scenario. I was like, what the fuck is going on? She's going to come in. I'm going to see him shout at this black black man. And this is going to be like a whole thing. And I was like, all I could imagine was like the night of episode one. I was like, what is going on? I was like, I could not laugh. I was so stressed for this black man. It was, oh, it was a lot. It was, yeah. You know, it's funny that you bring up this scene and we're mm-hmm. going to talk about Jordan Peele in a minute because I think if Jordan Peele directed this film, a scary thing that that could have made this film scarier is that that guy is a victim of Eloise's visions. Like her her thing is almost victimless in this film. There's like one victim to all her, you know, delusions. Actually, one more thing because I remember you said that. What did you say? How did you phrase it? That you're dumber than you think you are when you watch movies or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Last night in Soho, and even Get Out, to be honest, Get Out didn't slap me in the face with it until second watch. But last night in Soho really slapped me in the face with it because I realized that, like, I'm actually dumber than I think because everywhere this movie wanted to misdirect me, I fell for it. For example, I never guessed... I don't know, are we in the spoiler Yeah, we're in the spoiler. Yeah. Okay, I never guessed that Dame Diana Rigg would be Sandy, like, even up until the end. And then I never guessed that that I thought the guy who was following her around was actually was Matt Smith's character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's one other plot twist that I didn't see coming at all. I can't remember. I think, what it's, it was. I think it's just those two. It's just those two. Yeah. I, I just like everywhere they, they tried to misdirect me, I did not see it coming. So the Matt Smith one, literally from the beginning of the of the film, I was like, Oh, Terrence Stamp, who's the older guy, is definitely older Matt Smith. I was like, it's definitely older Matt Smith. But then when the movie started saying he's definitely older, I was like, no, okay, then I'm wrong. Like, once the movie was, like, cutting it in a way that it was him, or she, yeah. the moment she started thinking it was him, I was like, okay, it's obviously not him. At that point, I was like, it's not him. Yeah. The yeah. Dame Diana Rig one, I don't know, I think it was when I felt like, oh, I was like, this movie has gone on for, like, an hour plus, and Diana Rig has not done anything. She keeps so, popping like, up. Yeah, I was like, they have to, she has to do something. So I was like, 
she has to have a bigger role. And then I thought it was Sandy, but then Sandy died, quote unquote, in the Vision. visions or whatever. So okay, so maybe it's not happening. Like, then I was like, oh, maybe because there was a point when I thought like Eloise's mom might have been Sandy. Oh. Or maybe she has some connection with like Sandy back then. I thought she or, was one of the girls. Yeah, I had so many, I had so many like theories running through my head. But then, and this is actually just it's good that we go there. There's a scene that happens, which is second connection. I said this movie had with Get Out, which is actually also the meaning behind the title of this episode. Which is when the moment she offers Eloise tea, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, this this woman is a she's a villain. I was like, this woman is bad. But when she was like, let me give you, okay. I gave him the teacup. I was like, yeah, it's done. Can we can we have this discussion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about them making her a villain at the end? What do you mean? In the story or like performance or what, what do you mean? No, like in the story, like, you know, them trying to frame, you know, I just thought her killing those men, I didn't think she would, like, I thought her killing those men was cool enough, but then they make her try to kill Eloise, try to kill Eloise's boyfriend, and then you obviously can't root for her anymore. You know what? I don't entirely think that's true. <laughs> I don't like she's a villain, quote unquote. But I don't think like yeah. the movie tries to make her because I, I had it in my notes. I was like, the movie goes out of its way to really empathize with this with with Sandy and like show us her point of view and show us like how she was obviously raped and, and assaulted many many times. It, people that she trusted at first and just random men and whatever. So like, I don't I don't think it's the point where I'm like like obviously yes you're right she does attack people. But at that point it's kind of like. She's cornered and she's trying to fight away. I don't agree with it, but I wasn't like, she wasn't like the biggest, she, like, she wasn't yeah. the, the amateur. I, I was Get just out. like, did she have to kill Eloise? She could have yeah, just yeah, sent I mean, her on her yeah. way to a little town. I mean, I think because obviously you have to, there has to be demarcation. There has to be good and bad or hero and villain, quote unquote, just for like making a movie. But I don't think, I think if anything, the movie is like, she's the villain, but this is why she's the villain. Yeah, which yeah. then leads to the main thing, which is I said, the toxicity of nostalgia, because Eloise goes on this thing, like, for the first, maybe, 20 of the movie, she's like, oh, I would have loved to live in the 60s in London. 60s in London was so great. The music was so good. Fashion was so good. And then, kind of, like, like when she says it to, like, someone like Dame Diana Rigg, who obviously lived in that period, she's like, okay, the music was fine. She was like, yeah, we did have better music. That's it. Like, she's not, she's not glorifying that period. Yeah. I believe this is the main thing of the film. It's, like, the, the you know, toxicity of nostalgia, believing that, like, things that happened back then and were so much better or so much more improved or whatever and i think it's also the fallacy of the good old days like oh it was having great to be like we don't have it as much as black people because every time in our past is worse than our present like, like yeah, as but, black people our past is always worse than our present but eloise so, is a woman so like she you know if exactly, you're using that analogy for wait, yeah but exactly but then she's also a white woman <laughs> so she might not know it until until she's hit with it I think it's when she's doing the, when she's going through the records trying to find Sandy's last name. And then at first this, the film just focuses on all the like missing women or dead women or murdered waitresses or whatever. And she's like, and then the guy, her love interest is like all this. And it's like, London was a bad place because it was. She didn't want to see that because like her white privilege made her think that, okay, well, it was fine. And it was only when her female what's the, what's the opposite of privilege i don't know uh how female like she saw the female experience perfect yes and that was when she was able to marry that with actually find out oh shit like women 
didn't have it great. I mean, I had it in my notes. Maybe I left the movie. I was like, Get Out equals to white people are always evil. Last Night in Soho equals to men have always been evil. Like, that's just like, evil. those are the two, two theses like, of two don't, films. Like, don't, don't let the music, don't let the fashion, don't, don't let the lights deceive you. <laughs> that was actually, yes, exactly. It's like, and um, so Edgar Wright, in talking about the movie, he said, like, his thought making the movie was like, is nostalgia a problem? Is it a failure to deal with the present day? And are you in retreat from modern life? Which is basically Ellie's, Ellie's life. Like, she doesn't, can't deal with her bully or she's overwhelmed with all the thoughts and visions in her head. So she retreats to the past, either it's through music or fashion. And eventually, literally, like, she goes back home. She rushes back home to sleep so that she can have this time Go with back. two people in the yeah. 60s. She doesn't know. It's that thing. And when she does realize, she was like, oh, fuck. London in, in Soho in the, in the 60s was terrible. And it's, yeah. I just really liked the way he presented that story. And I mean, like I said, as black people, we don't really have those thoughts, but people do. And unless you're a white man, a rich white man, it probably wasn't better for you back then than it is now. Yeah. Because nostalgia... You still didn't have internet. So. Did you have internet? You can't do the podcast. And you don't have to go from everybody's house to exactly. recite the same thing. <laughs> Knock on their door and recite it like a, like a singing S- telegram. Send newspapers or whatever they call it. Um. Yeah, so... I I just like that theme, and I like, like you said, I, I think of people saying, oh... I was born in the wrong generation. The 90s weren't great. I was like, bro, do you know how much shit we have now? Sure, we think about, <laughs> we talk about 90s fashion or 90s music, or even, like, 90s movies. We're like, shit was going on. Like, the 80s were yeah, bad, man. the 70s were... Everything was bad. What are you guys talking about? Bro, can, like, you imagine, can you imagine being in the 80s, yeah, and you'd be like, yo, how's that my cousin in America? You'd be like, yo, he's a crackhead now, bro. You don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, like, like, yeah, you could think, oh, like, the music, everything was good then. Yeah. Bro, bro like, we have so much now that they didn't have back then. Yeah. Oh, like, and I'm, I'm like, the biggest nostalgia guy ever. But I'm still saying that, like, I don't like when people... Think, yeah, like, there is nothing oh, wrong with nostalgia. Like, it's nice to look back at things with, like, a, with a positive outlook or whatever. But then is that toxicity of nostalgia where you just believe that it was so perfect and you forget all the bad things that happened? Yeah. And all the things that happen in society to people and it's like yeah. So it's like if it's a white man it's like, oh, I miss the nineties. Like, yeah, probably. You probably did because if like if you're a white man in the seventies, you probably miss it because you could get away with a lot of stuff. Bro, you right? could do but any other literally any other person, you there's no reason for you to miss the seventies. It's not it wasn't better. Um I like that like he was able to use this kind of quote unquote horror thriller. Yeah. To talk about something that he had been thinking about as well. And a thought that I think is, if, I don't say it's important or whatever, but it's like, it's interesting, it's interesting thoughts. It's something to think about. It's to, like, to be fair, to be mm-hmm. fair, another like thing that might connect these two films is like Jordan Peele does the thing in Get Out where he tra- he does a horror film with like a universal black experience. Yeah. So like, obviously Edgar Wright is a man, but mm. the experience that he could be alluding to is that like you know as a woman ev- almost everywhere like everywhere is gonna have these creepy men or whatever mm-hmm. like it could be in the past it could be like anywhere you think is so perfect oh i want to move countries or i want to you know it's just interesting that that kind of what's it called real life experience is told through a horror or a thriller film. Yeah, yeah, and so, I, yeah. that's why 
I should mention at this point that um, the movie, Edgar Wright wrote the movie with, um, he co-wrote it with Kirsty Wilson Cairns, who also co-wrote 1917 with Sam Mendes. Um, oh, she but wrote yeah. the film. Oh, so I, so I can see what I want to say then, because I wasn't saying some things because I thought, you know, let me not let this man come and take the credit for this story. <laughs> so okay. I can say some of the things. Yeah, I say, say what you wanted to say because you thought <laughs> that nah, you, you, you go ahead. <laughs> I was like, can you imagine? Can you imagine me, a man, coming to explain the moral story of a story about women written by written by another man? <laughs> so I was just like, you know, just allow um, this. Yeah. Uh, t- <laughs> Tune into the all white male podcast where they talk about get out and how and how Jordan how we revolutionize race relations. Um, no, no, yeah. So like, she obviously wrote it, co-wrote, and he he's said in interviews as well that like he had this idea for a long time. I think he's had it for ten years, but he never really like. It was when Sam Mendes introduced him to Kristen Wilson Cairns, who he was like, oh okay, I think I'm able to crack it because also she like Edgar. They both moved to London when they were young, so they kind of had that situation and um. Let let me cook a little, but like yeah. one good thing from what Banky said about how Edgar Wright is talking about the past wasn't that great is that you know take what you need to take from the past and bring it to the future. That's yeah. what you see in the film when Eloise starts designing. She's designing clothes. Uh, what's her name? Sandy, Sandy Ward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then at the end, she's designing clothes that look like that or have like something added to them like you've got like a pink dress has are you dissecting the film oh the thematic connection pink dress has has a metallic strip the metallic strip looks very 90s so she's still not eloise is still not all the way here with us yet but oh i mean i think i think that's why sandy appears in the final thing right there's still a little bit of of sandy in her yeah but yeah that's just it yeah it's like living the now like you said takes what you want from the past or whatever but like don't Definitely just don't over-celebrate nostalgia. And it's so obvious in just the way Eloise talks. Like, she goes from, everything was so great back then. I wish I could have lived in the 60s in London too. Like, holy fuck. Terrible shit has been happening in London in the 60s. You know, you, you know what's killing me? Eh? She comes to this ultra-modern London in 2020. And she's talking about how she wishes she lived in the 60s. And the first person she meets in London is obviously a pervy taxi driver. Yeah. And like that's just the movie telling you, like, if these guys are like this in 2020, imagine how they were like in 1960. And yeah. that's where this girl wants to go. Let's see. As a wise man said, let the driver drive. Let's see where he's going to. So the movie is just like, okay, you know, you can't even deal with the creepiness of 2020 men. You want to go to the 60s? Okay. I remember the 60s all, all around. You want to go to the 60s where people just do shit and just walk away. Um, again, I don't want to, I mean, let's just, just quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on talking about, but like, I think a lot of people are very good in this movie. Like, like we said, Thomas and McKenzie doing this at 18 is, is very good. Anya Taylor-Joy, just like, every time she just steps in the screen, you're like, oh, fuck you. You're a movie star, aren't you? Like, you're radiant. Like, you're just like, I want to watch you. Um, Dame Diana Ray gets her one scene to actually just be, like, she's funny throughout the rest of the movie, but then she gets that one scene where she gets to be. Elena Tyrell and um, whatever else, like she's so great. Um, Terrence Stamp is good as well, but again, I don't want to be the guy who's like praising a guy in the midst of a movie about female experience or whatever. But like, and like I said, Anya Thomason, Dame Diana Rigg, all great. But I remember watching this movie, I was like, why is Matt Smith not, not a thing? And should he be a thing? Like, well, you don't think Matt Smith is a thing? 
Is he a thin? He sh- I feel like he should be a thin, but is he a thin? Because I never watched Doctor <laughs> no, Who, so I don't know. I've only seen him properly in The Crown. Yeah. I look at him and I think he's so cool. I don't know if it's the way they shoot him or the way he like knows how to pose on film or whatever, but like, like the first shot we get of him in this film where he's like holding the cigarette and like, I think Anya looks at him. Yeah. I was like, why don't you have fun girls? Like, why don't, like, do you get what I was like? I'm sorry, I just trying no, to understand I'm, it. I'm, like, so, I'm so sure he has fun. Like, every doctor from Doctor Who has fun girls. Probably. Like, why doesn't he have the, like, the crowd that Tom Hiddleston has, for example? True. That's, that's, you know, that's a good point. He's not, he's not been casted in the MCU. He, he's in his house. A really good horror film. Amazing horror film. Because I'm just like, I, because I remember his Prince Philip. I always liked his Prince Philip. How, how far have you gone yeah. in the crown? Have you finished his run? I'm not caught up. Oh yeah, I finished his run. Yeah, I love this Prince Philip. Like yeah, so know, I don't know if you're not if you're not careful, Matt Matt Smith will make you a royalist if you're not careful. So that's I think that's my biggest takeaway from the crown. Like <laughs> no, you see, like well, like my brother was saying, that's my guy. That's my guy. I was like, relax. That's still Prince Philip. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, I think. I think that's well. Let's talk about Get Out. I think that I think we both enjoyed it last night in Soho, and I would recommend it to anyone who's still listening to this part. But yeah, I like last night in Soho. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the film before we go on? Okay, we've spoken about how much we like the film. I will say one thing. I think I enjoyed the film less on second watch. Maybe it was too soon, or maybe I was too distracted because I had like I think the experience I had now just paled to the first experience I had in the cinema late at night. And you know I really loved the film because it was the second film I had seen that day and I wasn't tired during oh, wow. or after. So that's that how, film. like, I watched two films in a row. The first was Venom. Shout outs. Who was it? Is it Victor? Victor, yes. Yeah. Shout out Victor. We had the same experience. <laughs> Venom So then I too. watched Venom first and then um, this movie lifted. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. were, you, were you as... As angry as Victor as well. <laughs> no, to write. I wasn't as angry as Victor. No, <laughs> Victor. Victor started like, on the circus and Tom and Tom Hardy. I'm like, yeah. bro, you, you guys ruined my day. He sounded like if you found the director of that film, he would throttle it. <laughs> oh, Victor at 10 a.m. Man, um, no, yeah, I really like this film. I don't. We don't have the time to talk about it, but just like the the filmmaking in this is really really good. Like the way they do all the like mirror scenes is just like some maybe people don't care about it but like just some parts where th- there's no mirror it's just like thomasin and anya acting opposite to that but then visual effects like there's a mirror some parts are like half like you know the scene where anya is talking to all the like the new guys like telling her name yeah. or that, as, a, as a pretty name or whatever so there is a half half mirror so there's a mirror on the guy's side but there's no mirror on the girl's side so that's actually just thomasin and anya yeah. acting like it's just yeah. this filmmaking there is very good like the first time you see Thomasin and Anya is like the two guys that are playing it are, are twins that are playing the Metro D. They're twins, so they're actually mirroring. Oh, you know, mirroring what their twin brother is I looked, doing. I looked at the the. Would you believe who those guys are? I don't know them, but I know you care about them because you're a Harry Potter lover. Yes, I know they're a Harry have, Potter. Ah, uh, that's <laughs> okay. Never mind. This guy is going to piss me off for the. I like the last week. I broke your heart about Pursuit of Happiness. Yes. And this week I'm breaking your heart about Harry Potter. I, yes. I live to please. Anyway, guys. But <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let me say something. I really like that you brought up the filmmaking because yes. if you guys watch this film, and like, yeah, Banky said about the mirrors, you know, there's no mirrors. So sometimes it's just imagining how many takes they had to do to make sure they were doing everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have to, rehearse, you have to rehearse a lot. 
it's, it's basically dancing. You have to choreograph it. Yeah. What is amazing about the filmmaking, which I don't think I noticed, like I, I don't know anything about what they're doing, but if you go into that first scene where Louise goes into the past, you, the first time you watch the film, you, how do I put this? You almost don't notice anything, but notice everything. So like you're just, you're as fascinated with everything that's happening mm-hmm. as Eloise. Like mm-hmm. it's just like she's dancing on the stairs. Like you're, when I say you're hyper focused, I'm like, wow, what's happening here? What's happening here? What's happening here? It's just, and like he uses he uses angles, quick changes, whatever to like keep your attention. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's I mean, just it, man. Yeah, we like it. Like all right, knows how to make movies. Um, let's talk about Get Out after this break. Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for this? I'm back in the beat. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! (laughs) Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. I should have had a teacup. Okay. Jordan Peele's 2017 hit classic, Get Out, in which Daniel Kaluuya plays a black man who goes to visit his girlfriend, played by Alison Williams' family. Her father is played by Bradley Whitford. Her mother is played by Catherine Keener. Um, You just rewatched this movie for the first time, apparently. Like, Yes, I watched Get Out when it came out. How was that experience for you? Um, Let me preface that. Like, are you someone who's watched like the YouTube videos about this is what you missed or 10 things you missed in Get Out? No, 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 no. You know, I think when I got to the phase of watching all those type of YouTube videos, that was way after Get Out. Wow. So you don't know all the like hidden things in Get Out? Wait, that's what I was about to say is that like Get Out, the one thing I'll say after rewatching this one for the first time is that Get Out is so much is somehow scarier and creepier on second viewing. Like, you know everything that's about to happen, but mm-hmm. it's somehow scarier and creepier on second viewing. What are the things that you had forgotten? Okay. They were like, oh shit, I forgot that happened. Things I had forgotten was, what's it called? Like, Rose's brother being, you know, telling him about his body. And then yeah. I'd also forgotten how many, like, you see the whole, like, scene at the auction. Mm-hmm. I was... All I remembered was like, you know, Lakeith saying get out. And I remembered, um, yeah, that was the main thing I remembered. I actually forgot the 
amount of people that came up to him asking, like, talking invasive topics about blackness or his body. I didn't remember any of that. So I've watched this movie, I think, at least five times, right? In the wow. in the five years since it's been out. And that particular scene, because I had it in my... I rewatched it again this week for this episode, and I have it in my notes. That particular scene, that audition scene, because I, I call it an audition, because he's auditioning for them. Like, they're like, oh, the guy who used to golf is asking about his swing. Yeah. The woman is asking him about, like, is asking her about, like, the sex. The guy who is fat and wants to be cool is talking about how black people are being cool. So, like, he's auditioning for them so they can find the right body. And that scene never gets less creepy. Like, it just gets creepier every time I watch it. It's not that I'm comfortable watching that scene, because it's just so wild. Um... I think this movie is the second best movie of the 2010s. I think only Social Network is better than this movie. Oh. And that's not even... like I can wake up tomorrow and say Get Out is better than Social Network. Like, I think it's up there as one of the best movies of the last 20, 30 years. You know, you know how much I agree with that? Yeah. Is that... Every, like, I just spent like a, a good amount of time talking about how much I enjoyed last night in Soho. Yeah. And for this episode, you know, I watched both of them quite closely yeah and i think the reason i enjoyed last night in soho less, less. on second watch was because get out was just so fucking good yeah yeah get out <laughs> is not get out, get out is not like like i won't be surprised if jordan peele never makes a movie better than get out in his life again Fair. i hope he does Fair. i hope that doesn't happen but i wouldn't it won't be like if get out is the best movie ever making your life it's not the worst like it's not the worst thing to have on your tombstone yes and we can we'll get into it a bit more but like just even just only like a mystery level like even now watching it like fifth or sixth time i'm still finding new things for example, when Dean, played by Bradley Whitford, finds out that, like, Chris smokes, I didn't even realize back then that he's not asking as, like, he's like, oh, shit, I don't know if this guy's, if his body's good enough for what we want to do. No, you, you're you're putting it mildly. That's the first time we see her dad get angry or, like, switch from his happy, liberal, white mm. ally. Like, he immediately goes, that's a terrible habit. Like, he immediately goes serious like, like that's not, that doesn't work like, for us. i'm no longer you're no longer my man you're now <laughs> <laughs> you're no longer my man you need to stop smoking um yeah and it's just like even when um maybe i've not watched enough youtube videos but that dinner scene that first dinner scene has always been i've always, always been confused but i've never really understood what was going on there which one is it the one where her brother's talking about mma yeah yeah mma i'm like mm, are these people really angry what's happening here and it was just now watching i was like oh wait when the mother is like, Jeremy, stop. She's not like, oh, you're embarrassing us or you're drunk. She's like, do not like damage the merchandise. Do, don't, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Don't damage the merchandise. Okay, like, you know the crazy thing? This is why I say this film is so much creepier on second watch because when I, like, there's so much that you notice. Like, obviously that, and then you notice that the mom herself is the quietest in the family. Mm-hmm. And like, she seems like almost hostile to him. But like, her role is obviously the observer to find out what makes someone tick, to find out how to hypnotize, hypnotize them. It's yeah, fucking, yeah, it's fucking creepy. Yeah, because even like when uh-huh. Jeremy in that scene, Jeremy's like, "I was gonna hurt him." And I think, oh, he's just saying like, "Because of our reactive," but he's really meant like, "I'm not stupid enough to to damage the product." It's just, it's actually so like, yeah. And I mean, they're all the obvious ones that people have talking about. I don't know because you didn't watch all these videos, so I don't know them. But like things like, oh, oh, oh no, wait. When I watched this film the second time. I went to watch... Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I watched some videos. And then I watched the mother of all videos. And there's one thing I need to recommend to everyone. Go Like, he does it... He's done it so many times. Like, there's multiple videos about it. But just pick anyone. Go listen to Jordan Peele. 
talk about Get Out. Oh, fair enough. He could be talking about anything. It could be a scene. It could be a casting. Just listen to him talk about Get Out. It's Tell me something that you learned from this year, new deep dive, that really either surprised you or broke your brain. Okay. Um, okay. There's actually a number of things, but one thing that stuck with me is that Jordan Peele said if he was going to make a movie with a black protagonist, a yeah. horror from the black protagonist, he had to make sure that Chris did the black thing in every situation. Fair enough. So, like, he had to... So, he wanted... So, if he wanted it to be that if black people went to the movie to see this movie, they would never say, oh, fuck this guy. Why is he doing that? Yeah, yeah, he yeah, wanted yeah. them engaged. And he did it... He, he like, if he put that in almost every scene, like, the only time you think, Chris, don't do this, why are you doing this is stupid, is at the end with the maid. And the fact that even he second guesses himself, like, no, 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 don't turn around. No, 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 don't turn around. And then he does it because, obviously, his mom and the hit and run. I don't think he, he didn't know that, like, the maid was. No, he didn't know. But, like, he's told him, like, in a horror film, you're about to get out your oh, car. Okay, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't turn around. So he's telling himself, like, no, 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 no. Every black person is like, don't do that. I have a different moment for where every black person is like, don't do that, but he does it. What? When? When he goes into the door, that small room, to look at the picture. Oh, oh. <laughs> like, he needs to do it for the story. Well, I remember in my head, everyone's like, no. Everyone's like, no, don't. Why? Because in horror movie, you don't go into the open door. Everyone's like, no, no, okay, don't go, don't okay. go. You don't go into the wait, open door wait, in the horror wait, movie. Wait, wait, wait. But he had to find out what Rose was leaving in there. No, no. It in, in, in needs to be done for the story. Yeah, it needs to be done for the story. But I'm saying like, in terms of like no, black people, you know, thing, like, I even don't... disagree. I don't think it needed to be done for the story. I think the story would have been better if we didn't know Rose was evil up until that moment. Well, I just think like he did it because he was cute. Well, that being said, the first time I watched it, I thought Rose was hypnotized. Okay, yeah. Until the moment she does the keys thing, I thought she was like she didn't jo- know what was going. I thought Jordan Peele does say that one of the things they played with was mm. the idea of Rose being hypnotized the whole way through, because, like I said, listen to him talk about Get Out. It just it makes you want to watch the film again, like even though you just saw it. But he was saying that like he needed Rose to he needed us to be as not suspicious of Rose mm-hmm. as possible mm-hmm. until that final reveal. And he said the actress was perfect for it and like the way he wrote the story was perfect was yeah. perfect for it. Yeah, I think it's perfect the way I, I don't think if she was hypnotized I don't think it would have worked as well if she was hypnotized because we need you need her to be we don't need any like white ally. We need every white person here to be bad. He literally said that. He was like, he knows people will be watching this film thinking one of the things that would play against people is their intrinsic bias. That they're mm-hmm. like, oh, Universal aren't going to make a movie where all the white people are terrible. <laughs> but he's like, no, <laughs> yes, they are. Like, I, don't, I keep thinking to myself, like, maybe he snuck in like a fake script. Like, maybe he told them, you know, Rose would help Chris. And then once they gave him the money, he was like, Nah, Rose it was four million. They could they could they could whatever they want to do for four million. <laughs> he's right. Every time, like Rose seems like like she's on his side. Like she's oh, okay. It's just he's like oh fuck, my parents are actually racist. And and you know the thing is like this. Is what I was saying here. So like, there's a scene at the start where she confronts the racist policeman and mm-hmm. is like, why do you need his ID? And at that point, I was like, okay, you know, little Rose. And then and then think about this. Yeah, like for Get Out, I don't think I'd seen any trailers for Get Out. I knew that it was about like an evil white family. Yeah. So I didn't know what Rose was going to be like. So yeah, she does the cop and then when they're in the house, she's angry about her parents. And I'm and I'm watching Get Out just thinking, oh, look at this cute little white girl discover, discovering that family's racist for the first time. <laughs> and then Chris is having the same reaction. He's just like, 
uh, man, I'm used to yeah, this. Yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew this was going to happen. And it's just because at that point, everyone is like, oh, you know, like she's realizing her family's racist. And even when Chris is pissed about his phone being, de- um, like she just seems so much on his side. Mm-hmm. And it's when, when he says he wants to leave, for example, she doesn't even try to convince yeah. him to stay. So I'm like, okay, Rose is with us. You know, she's going to help us. Which is why I thought she, until that key thing, I, I fully thought she was hypnotized. <laughs> and then all of this is like, Word of mouth from Jordan Peele, by the way. Yeah. Obviously, no self-respecting black man would be like, oh yeah, hypnotize me. (laughs) So, Chris has to say no. Mm -hmm. And then, when Chris eventually falls, and it's because of the teacup, yeah, Mm -hmm. we can no longer judge him because we missed it as well. Because as soon as she started talking to him, she had already started hypnotizing him. But we can't judge him when it happens because we can't say, oh, why did you sit down? Because yeah, of course you're going to sit down with your mother-in-law. But, like, he's told her, don't Yeah, they're just talking. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and then we can't judge him. So he tra- he specifically tried to make sure that there was at no point in the movie where the audience would be like, I know you said you didn't want him to go into the closet, but personally, I'm like, that's just, you need to know. You need to be curious. You need to see if... Well, I mean, like, yeah, if, if you don't know you're in a horror movie, yeah, of course you probably go to the horror, you go to the closet. But if you, if us are watching, you know you're in a horror movie, then you go to the and, closet. And he left immediately. He wasn't like, let me just pass the night. Let me yeah, just go yeah. tomorrow morning, of course. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about why I said the theme was in terms of this and last night and so the toxicity of white allyship, essentially. So I wrote an article for Get Out in 2018. Because it wasn't going to be best picture, and I wanted to shout, give them their props. Yes, <laughs> like to the, to my however many readers. Interesting, you bring that point up because I was going to say, like when you mentioned, I was going to say, what really is even like white allyship? Like on the day to day, what does that look like? Because in that auction scene that every that we all love, and like we spoke about how much we love, there's so many different types of. Mm-hmm. positive racism like oh white black people are great at sex or black people are great at sports cool black people yeah. are so cool or like affirmative action you know you're a black photographer so like people look at you as you know better than the mm-hmm. white art dealer like you know it's like all these people think they're thinking of black people in a mm-hmm. positive light but then it like that's why i really like what the film did you know you have all these people who think blackness is good but the way they manifest that at the end with the whole taking over your body thing is just the fucking scariest thing ever. At the risk of plagiarizing myself, I, I said it in like my article where I was like, in terms of this whole, I didn't call it that in the article, but in terms of this whole like toxicity of white allyship, it's like, for example, at the beginning, um, Chris asks her, do your parents know I'm black? And she's like, no, it doesn't matter. They're not racist. Essentially, she's saying they don't see color. But like Chris, as like every other black person knows that like, that is not good. Yeah. They should, I believe they should see color because I don't want, that's the thing. White people think I don't see color is allyship. That's not allyship. I want you to see color, but still respect me as a human yeah. being. Like, oh, yeah. Don't say I don't see color. See color. You're not colorblind. See color. See color. Recognize my life, my struggle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. And still respect me. Like, I think like, for example, Jordan is calling like, there's no such thing as you don't see color. If you say you don't see color, then you see, but you don't want people to know that you see it. Like, see color. I, I, I see gender. Imagine saying I don't see gender. Like, everybody's just a person to me. You're not a man or a exactly. woman. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I don't see gender. 
Yo, that is such a you know when you put it like that that is such an insane get out of jail free card imagine you're just you just say something and someone's like you know that's a little bit sexist it's like me i don't see gender i'm just making a point <laughs> imagine, imagine a guy just walking and just slapped the girls i was like what you was like i don't see gender i would have slapped him with a man's ass as well like, i would have slapped any any ass that i liked <laughs> Kind of like I don't see gender. Any ass that I find attractive, I slap. Anyway, yeah, and I, so so like I make the point in my in the article about how like up to like for the first two acts of the film, the 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 Amitages are doing things that we think every that, not we that white allies think is is allyship. No, no, no. Even to be fair, I would even say even us, even us, like, even us. For yeah. the first for the first two acts of the film. I just think the Armitages are clumsy white liberals. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they don't, they're not racist, but, you know, they, they just, they have the mild form of racism. Like, oh, black people are so cool. I want to talk like them. Like, bang, man. And, you know, I would have voted for Obama. You know, they, 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 when they, he goes about how he's gone to different cultures and he just is a privilege to experience different cultures. Yeah. He's talking about how Jesse Owens you know, like, won the race in front of Hitler. You're like, okay, okay. And I, I yeah, I'm like at least he's not shooting Chris, you know. This is <laughs> yeah. an okay form of another thread between these two films, Last Night in Soho and Get Out, is that they put you in situations that everyone has been in mm-hmm. before they turn scary. Mm-hmm. So like with Get Out, every black person has been Chris, and like I think Daniel Kaluuya has said it, like when they're talking about casting him for the film, mm-hmm. and obviously he's British, British yeah. and he was like, every black person has gone through this. It's not like a solely African-American thing. Like, every black person has been, like, around white people and they're talking about things. They're talking about things that make you uncomfortable, but you're like, you know, at least it's not that bad. And then it's not overt racism, but it's still not comfortable yeah. talking about your body, things like that. And it's just, everyone's been in that situation. And with yeah. Eloise, same thing, you know. Everyone's been, you know, some people were bullies, but let's just say everyone's been bullied or being in a place where they felt they didn't belong they weren't having a great time they wanted to go home so they put you in regular social situations and then before it gets horrific i mean even like that because i think i wrote it in the article with that whole thing about body about how for example like i don't i can't maybe happens to white people as well i I can't say if it does because obviously i am not white but like if you're someone like me if if you're a black guy who's tall but not like particularly muscular you're like oh well if you go to the gym you'd be such a beast like, why are you using that word? What do you mean by that? Why, why do I want to go to the gym and be a beast? Do you play basketball? You'd be so good at basketball. Like, I don't care about basketball. I don't want to play basketball. Like, <laughs> can we, like... You get, it's like imposing those kind of things on, on, on us. And it's like... Yeah. Maybe that happens to people. I don't say it doesn't because I, I don't live their lives. Yeah. So I think that third act of the film really, really hits and works because, like, we've seen the Armitages as... They're not average people. They are, like, their allies, right? I think a lot of the white audience, they are affected when they find out that Amitages are villains because they've agreed with a lot of things that they've said. They've been on their side. They were like, oh yeah, that's what I said. I said that to, to my, my daughter's boyfriend last week. Like, oh yeah, 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 that makes sense. Like, I agree with you. I'm like, oh wait, 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 you're, yeah. you're the villain? <laughs> wait, wait, what? Like, uh, what? Jordan Peele said this about Rose because he was like, he knew that during the film, all the white people would be like, that's me. Rose is me. You know, I always stick up my yeah. black friends. I'm always you know, mm-hmm. feeling racism, always calling it out. And they said that's why he had to make her evil. So he's like, so he wanted to let them know that, you know, it is possible to go to some families, some towns, 
some places in the world where every white person is evil to a black person. <laughs> like, you wanted them to know that that's a real possibility. Yeah, because, like, if you don't, if, for example, you don't agree with what um, Dean is saying, you agree with where Rose is defending him, and you're like, oh, shit, wait, you're also bad. So, am I just bad? Like, <laughs> am I not? And it's funny because, like, oh, God. He never really, like, uh, well, apart from the time that he tries to reassure her, this is he being Chris. Like, he never really gives Rose props for for standing like okay you're just doing yes this is my life okay do what you want to do to feel comfortable in terms of your parents being racist but i expected as much you should have told them i told you to tell them that I was black you didn't want to tell them now you see so i have this line in the article which i'm going to read word for word so finally it being the film served as a very effective attack on society and its relationship with black people society's tendency to criticize and exploit the black body while disregarding and belittling the black life so it's that thing where Let's use this is obviously a generalization, but let's just use the NCAA, right? Which I only caught in this reward that she's looking for future NCAA prospects, which is just wow. See, I didn't even that would have blown my mind. I didn't even catch that. That would have blown my mind. And then obviously she has all her trophies because I why she keeps the pictures, right? Because they're her trophies, she has all her trophies on the wall. Yeah. And obviously they are white basketballers, so that's not what I mean in this situation, but it's predominantly a black sport, right? Where these college athletes are the people. You're getting sponsors through them. They're getting money for you. They're getting advertisers, whatever. Their, their bodies are dunking and charging and shooting and whatever. But you don't want to pay them. Look, yeah. You don't even, want to respect their lives. Like, you care about their body. You don't care about their life. Even the NCAA, I would take it way further and say the NBA, bro. Oh, I mean, like, yeah. Let's use that. Obviously, like, fam, the whole shut up and dribble thing was so insane when you think about it. Like, even with, like, it could be with any basketball, it could be any social issue, but just the idea that they're, like, sports people should stick to sports and not dabble into politics. You see, even in Britain with, like, Marcus Rashford, yeah. I'm like, do you understand the implications of what you're saying? Like, when I stop playing football at five o'clock on Saturday, I need to come home and live as a, do you, do you mm-hmm, get what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say? It's insane that it's like, oh, you know, LeBron should show up and dribble. Rashford should stop trying to meddle in politics and all that. And, and it's just, funny that no one told Aaron Rodgers to shut up and throw. Yeah, you don't see <laughs> like, tell anyone to stick to Because think about how insane it is that like, so to you, I'm only good. Mm-hmm. If you could make me a lobotomized robot to just play basketball and dunk for you, you would do it. I mean, which is kind of what the amateurs do, don't they? They lobotomize you yeah. and then they put their own brain in you, the brain that, you, that they want in you. Yeah. Um, have you seen One Night in Miami? Yeah, after one night. So you know, in one night in Miami, which is one of the, one of the most shocking scenes for me at the beginning, when um, I can't remember his name now, um, but the the football player, where he's like, "You can always come here. We love you as a football player. Like you're so yeah. good. You're gonna break the record next next season." It's Jim like, Brown. Boy, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Sorry, Jim Brown. Yeah, he's like you're gonna do all that. We we're so proud of you. You're gonna break the records next. I'm like season. a father to you. I'm like a father to you, but no niggas in the house. And no, no, and like, what? no you, you didn't even, I don't think you even gave enough context because it's like, I know you said like, he's talking about how much he loves him, everything, mm. blah, blah. So this white man's talking to Jim Brown and telling him how much he loves him. And then this white man needs help lifting a piece of furniture, right? And Jim Brown offers. And Jim Brown is what? Like a six, a piano. six foot. Not, yeah. not, not a piece of, like a piano. Jim Brown is like a six foot five you know, NFL player, strong, broad. In his prime. In his prime. And he's like, oh, like, you know, you're like a father to me. Let me come help you lift this piano. He's like, oh, come on. You know I love you, but no niggers in the house. Like he says the N-word with E-R. Not to go on this detail, but that scene is so wild to me because while it was happening, 
I was angry because I thought he was saying all those things to get Jim Brown to help him move the piano. <laughs> so I was angry because I thought he was praising him just so he could use him for manual labor. Yeah. But then I realized that he didn't even want the manual labor from a nigga. I was like, oh, wow. I was already angry, but you made me angrier somehow. Oh, God. Can you, can you imagine that? But yeah, no, it's the thing of like, you want to exploit the black body and you want to, you want to appreciate when your team's quarterback does an incredible throw or your team's basketball star does an incredible dunk. But like, when it comes to their black life, you're belittling. And I, I just thought like, Stephen Root's character thinks he's different from the others because he doesn't care about the body, but you care about his eyes. Yeah. But you don't care about the life of the person that owns the eyes. Oh, and, and you know, you know something, yeah. Um, I actually think that Stephen Root's the blind art dealer. I actually think that mm. he says he doesn't care about the eye, the color of his skin, but he's definitely, he definitely thinks that thing I said earlier where he's like, you know, a black photographer, uh, a black up and coming photographer, you know, a millionaire white art dealer. You know, the optics are better if he's this plucky photographer. Like, mm-hmm. he, I think he wants that experience of mm-hmm. being Chris, you know, being the different eye, the different, you get me? Like, he wants, yeah. like, I know it the sounds crazy, but like, how, yeah, how the Armitage's thing is just like, imagine a black photographer with all his experiences, but he's creating art that seems white, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, like he, he wants that experience of being different, of being not white, like being, oh, that guy is good for a black guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he doesn't care about color. I think he's telling himself that. I also think that, maybe he, he like he, obviously we know he can't see, but maybe he rates Chris's work more because Chris is black. Exactly. He, exactly. So Chris's work and his eyes or whatever have kind of risen in maybe, his estimation. Maybe he's like, hmm, I wonder what makes a nigger decide to do photography. <laughs> like, you guys usually run and dunk. Like, so I need to see what you see. It's no, like I'm the same King Richard when, when he's like, uh, you've done exceptional work for where you come from. Yeah. <laughs> for where you come from. He's like, hmm, I wonder what makes, like, I want to be inside this guy's head and see what mm-hmm. he sees to mm-hmm. see what made what inspired him to drop the basketball, yeah. drop the microphone. That's a whole different movie on, on Stephen Root's character because that's a whole different kind of white allyship where you think you're better than the, the races. But really, you're just... You're just more packaged properly. Like, you package that's shit so it looks like, like chocolate, but it's still shit. Like, yeah. This movie is beautiful. And so it's beautifully... Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Beautifully sorted in so many ways. Mm. It's... Like that, even Wait, that's the word you're looking for. That's a good pluck, you know. So did that. Fair enough. That was, <laughs> that was a good pluck out. You just plucked out from the air. I like yeah, that. Uh, Wordo, man. Wordo daily. But yeah, man, it's like, the thing is like, I wish we could even spend more time talking about just how fun Get Out is on second watch. Mm-hmm. Like noticing how all the, because I noticed it on second watch and obviously because I knew the plot twist, it was kind of annoying that I didn't notice it on first watch. But it's like, you notice how all the guests to the party are hugging the gardener? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This wouldn't happen in real life. Like, what is this? And I'm like, damn. It's just like, there's so many fun things to pick about. And one thing about, I think we should dedicate like five minutes to just talking about Jordan Peele. Because in one of the things he was talking about, he says like he has, I'm very interested in seeing what Jordan Peele does with the rest of his career. Like, mm-hmm. I know he has one horror film out after Get Out Us and he has another one coming up. 
But I'm interested if he does anything else apart from horror. Doubt it, you know. It doesn't seem like he wants to. He's been producing horror as well. He produced Candyman. He doesn't seem like he wants to do anything And he has else. a muscle called... Have you seen Twilight Zone? Yeah, what? Yeah, I want good seasons, actually. But the reason why I say that is because he he said, like, the whole Armitages and their whole clan, everything, like, he has a rich, deep backstory for them that he's dying for someone to mm. ask him about. Like, he has, like, a wow. full, you know, history, cult, yeah. whatever with them. While we're on Jordan, actually, um, so, Obira, Ayo, and I are doing something where we're not going to watch any trailer, I'm not going to read anything about Nope, as his new movie coming out to Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, and Steven Yeun. We're just going to go in blind. We're just going to go in without watching anything. So we're just going to go in opening night, watch nothing, record the next day. So please, you guys, look out for that episode when it drops. This is so funny because you don't even like, you don't even like horror films. No, no, I know <laughs> I'm, I'm sold with Jordan Peele. It's done. Okay. The same way I couldn't not watch an Edgar Wright film. Fair, fair. You reminded me of something when you mentioned that. Like, this is the... And you mentioned a name, Dado Kaluuya. Shout out to our boy, you know, he's been on a couple episodes. Go back yeah. and listen. Ba- back back here next him. week. Yeah, so, like, I said something to Banky when I was re-watching this film, and I was saying, I don't think anyone else could have played Chris apart from Dado Kaluuya. And Jordan Peele said, in a ra- rare moment of, like, self-aggrandization, he was like, we nailed it with... I nailed it with casting. Because, mm-hmm. and this was him talking about all the side characters, not even Daniel Kaluuya. But I really think no one could have done this role the way Daniel Kaluuya did it. And he said he casted him because of Black Mirror. Yeah, the Black Mirror episode. But when I'm watching Get Out, Daniel Kaluuya fucking nails every scene. Like, that that awkward smile he does, the, actually, I'm alright, he does with his face. Or the, like, oh, you know. Bro, the sink. The sink into the, the, sink into the floor. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. Talk about acting. Jesus. <laughs> and you know they oh shot that God. multiple times. They're like, he got so emotional sometimes that the mom mm. cried at some takes. Like, as Daniel Kaluuya was crying, she cried too. Did you see at, his eyes? Some takes. I, I would have <laughs> cried too, but even if I wasn't in the scene. Holy fuck. Like, there, I mean, there's so many things he does that's beautiful in this. Kaluuya is a great actor, so that was obviously a great find. But it also works, the film works for us because we don't know who Kaluuya is. Like, you've probably, if, maybe you've seen him, you've seen him in Black Mirror one episode, you saw him a little bit in Sicario, but, like, he's not a movie star at that point, so we're, like, we're coming with a blank slate. Meanwhile, Alison Williams is kind of, I don't, I don't watch Girls, so I don't know how her character yeah. was on Girls, but she's a mini star. People know her, because Girls ran on HBO for a while. And then, like, Bradley Whitford was on West Wing, so he was, like, that's a very liberal show. Catherine Keener as well, kind of, like, a known... If you, if you guys can't see me... I'm... So it makes sense that they'll be the liberal adults. So everything just works, because everything... Is working against our own perceptions. If you guys can't see me, I'm nodding my head pretending to recognize these names that Banky is mentioning. That's fine. It's a great movie on its own and it just does so much in terms of like society and what it says about black people it's yeah, just, and white people. It's, it's, just, it's just a it's, great movie. It's amazing. The layers and something funny that you mentioned, like you mentioned all these names that I obviously don't know and don't really care about but that's one of the reasons why what you said about if Get Out is the best film Jordan Peele ever makes then so be it because mm-hmm. Think about, you know, as a director, is it his first movie, Get Out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so think about the pitch he had to give to these big-ish names that, you know, you have to come play this racist, you know, villain in my horror film. And then he had to explain to them how good it would be for them to say yes to it. Mm. So, yeah, like, is this maybe the first film a director ever does where he has to convince big stars to come work for him. 
might be his best because he has no clout at that point. Now, yeah. if Jordan Peele puts out a casting call, he'll get call, he'll get phone calls. So just quick, before we run out of here, just quick answer. So what would you do if you're Chris and you see that that box of pictures? What do you, what are you thinking in that very moment? When he's shuffling through the box of pictures. Yeah, and he sees all the pictures and he sees how with all the black people. I'm just thinking, fuck. Fuck. I think I have fuck. to think that she's, you, she's, her mom has hypnotized her. You, you know, Jordan Peele had, had uh, another, like, you know how there's an alternate ending? An alternate story was that the brother comes home with a black woman as well. So instead of him finding the box with all, like, her past lovers, he sees that there's something not right here. This family is, is it that they only date black people? Like, yeah. Captain, both of them. So, yeah. But I don't even know what, what I think. Do you know why this movie is great? What? Every decision that they made was the better one. Yes. <laughs> like, not having the black partner is the better option. Like, the alternate ending, even though I like the alternate ending, but it's actually too dark. Like, the film ending is the better ending. Everything they, they had an option to do, they made the right choice, which is just wild. Do you know what that means? <laughs> My problem with the other ending is that, like, we... It's it's a typical horror ending. Let's put it like that. The or the alternate ending where he ends mm-hmm. up in jail is a typical horror ending. But what might have been a better ending would have been, you know, we just the film just ends when we see the police lights flash, and then like. Well, maybe, that's the same thing. That's that's the same thing well, as the first no, one. No, no, maybe maybe there's a there's a what's that guy's name? Christopher Nolan esque flash of the TSA sign on the side of the car. So, you know, unnecessary. I, know, like, I know what you mean, but that's unnecessary. Why would you do that? So, people, so, so people could be like, okay, he got saved. No, but I think you want to know, like, for certain that he got saved. Because, quickly, like I said, I watched this movie with a mostly white audience. And then and then when the flashing lights went off, obviously, a lot of people are like, oh, shit. But then white people are like, oh, shit, as well. So, I'm like, oh, so you motherfuckers know. You guys know what it means for white, for police to come yeah. and see black people. Like, so I'm like, so, oh, so you guys understand. Yeah, no, know what the police means. And obviously, when, when like, Rod shows up, everybody claps. And you lose that reaction if you, don't, if you end the movie before you see Rod. I liked, I loved Rod. The film needed Rod. One, one of my favorite scenes in this film is when Rod calls Rose back and tries to record her. And she's like, you know, and then he's like, she knows what I'm doing. He's like, like, he's like, she's so smart. Oh, that's one of my favorite scenes in the film, man. Oh no, yeah, Rod is, I mean, Rod is great in the movie. That's not, that's not for debate. I like that they made his character, what, like a conspiracy theorist. Because if not, he would have just been like, you know, if he was someone like me who's very averse to conspiracy. Is he a conspiracy theory if he's correct? No, wait, that's what I was going to say. If, if he's someone like me who's very averse to conspiracy theories, yeah. I would have just been like, oh, you know, Banky's having a lot of sex on his weekend with his girlfriend. I'm not yeah. going to. That's why he's not calling me. That's why, you know, I can't reach his phone, you know. I found like he was so close with his conspiracy theories, though. I know that's also odd. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's another layer to the film, you know, because he thought about the wildest fucking thing like rich white people could be doing. Is Jordan saying, Op- open your third yeah, eye? Yeah, like... 9-11 was an inside no, like, job. Like, he thought about... The beauty doesn't fall like that. He thought about the wildest fucking thing like rich white people could be doing, which is turning young black men into sex slaves. <laughs> and he wasn't that far off. He wasn't that far off. <laughs> I mean, he in a way, he's kind of correct because, because she's sleeping with him. Like, yeah. No, because if the fucking woman 
or the dying man who wanted his body won the auction. That's what Chris yeah. would have been. No, I meant the woman is sleeping with Lakeith. So, like, that's she's yeah. a sex slave, just in a different... <laughs> Fuck, man. Anyway, speaking of, um, as, as a milkman, you probably have been a prime target for Rose. So, like... Okay, so, like, first of all... <laughs> okay, cool. I'm, I'm just... I don't, I don't even know what language that is, but yeah, keep going. I don't understand what point you said. So, keep going. Oh my god. Um, okay, would you have rather be one of Rose's targets or her brother's targets? You know, the thing is, that's a that's an excellent, excellent question. Because when, because they don't, they, the film doesn't scream it at you, but it's obvious that the family has different ways of capturing black people. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, her brother is one that um, captures Lakeith. Yeah, and her brother is a jujitsu guy. I would rather be Rose's target. You know why? Because Rose is not gonna get me. Like, if you know me, oh you know. God. Like, sure. ah, God. What Actually, do we know? Okay. Let me rephrase the answer because we want all the viewers we can get, right? I don't know what you're trying to. Do. Anyway, you know, Rose, I've got you. Why? Well, it's difficult. It's different though, because like, if you're Rose's target, then you you are in love for four months, and you find out that she's selling your body. At least, if your brother's target is one and done. No, but like I was going to say, like Rose wouldn't get me. Yeah, that's what you're saying. But we know the I'm truth. I'm assuming you have to find you have to find her attractive. Okay, you have to find her attractive. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, you, 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 need, you need to give me like a young. Banky, who would you send at me? You know me. Who would you send at me? I, I don't want to say anything on this podcast. Say it. <laughs> I know who who I would send at you. Like who we spoke about her in this po- on this on this episode in this episode. Wait, who? <laughs> she's the last night in Soho no? oh Anya <laughs> look how he's oh, Anya for, like, for... like they've been conversing in his dreams <laughs> oh, that's for, no that's for Obira Obira said a message before like I want Anya to teach me Spanish <laughs> well, Obira always wants to learn Spanish man if it's not Anya it's Ana de Armas it's... <laughs> that's actually so true <laughs> like somebody get that nigga Duolingo <laughs> I'm going to keep it in this episode, but he won't hear it because he never listens to an episode that he's not on, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think this is a good point for us to end this episode. Um, like I said, incredible film, masterpiece. Actually, I relate to you for seeing it five times because I think Get Out is a movie that probably will get better on every watch. Or it's, or it's a film yeah, that... Yeah. Well, I a, think, yeah. It's a film that you're like, if someone hasn't seen it for the first time, you would watch it with anyone who shows interest like if someone told me today mm-hmm. let's watch get out i'll be like yeah, let's watch <laughs> like i'll watch you someone who hasn't watched it before i'll watch you someone who has watched it only once because then you can talk and be like oh did you see that like yeah. kind of situation yes. like yeah like points one thing about gal i like how you said like they they made the right choice almost every time when they had mm. a decision to make mm-hmm. and one of the interesting choices i thought they made is the auction scene I haven't seen anyone say this, or I haven't seen Jordan Peele say it, since he's the only one who knows. But I personally felt like, on first viewing, I didn't really, it was whatever to me. On second mm. viewing, I thought it made the whole thing creepier. Oh, it, 100%. You didn't know just, just how rich these people were. You didn't know how, the, you didn't know if it was like, you know, do you get me? Like, you didn't know what the auction process is. You also don't know what they are valuing in life. Is it five? Is that five? Yeah. Is it five thousand? Is it five million? Is it five hundred? Like exactly. And it's it's silent. Is it? No, no, no. Hundred percent. It makes everything so much weirder. Like, like you have you you you're on the outside of their whole society. Yeah, you have like the son and the mom just like in the corner. Just you, you can't tell if they're they're happy 
or they're angry. Yeah. Like it's just yeah, no, no, hundred. And then the way the way the son is just eyeing Chris after, like, oh, look at this piece of fresh meat. Everything is just the right decision. It's actually a great film. Um, I don't want to, we, we can talk about Get Off for another hour. Trust me, I know. So let's end this up SMB podcast here. Why, uh, why not talk about it for another hour, man? Niggas are gonna listen. No, no, let's not tempt them because. <laughs> We put it out and that's when they will not listen. Um, we have five listeners. Let's keep our five listeners. <laughs> so, obviously, thank you to Ebuka. Always a pleasure. Thank you to my co-host, Ebuka. You are my co-host. Okay, right, you're yeah, done. Yeah. I think all that Teta propaganda has, has pissed, has pissed Banky off. Man. <laughs> yeah, Obiara is preparing for his exams. Good luck to him. Okay, obviously, shout out to everyone that works on this podcast. Our social producer, Chindu Henshi. Um, thank you to you guys for listening thank you to Edgar Wright for making a great film thank you to Jordan Peele for making an incredible masterpiece um, we hope Nope is good as we're going to go in blind um, join us next week of course when we'll be talking about we're wrapping up once we get to Oscar season so we'll talk about some of the um, best picture frontrunners so join us for that and of course we'll be joined by Oscar winner himself star of Get Out Daniel Kaluuya bye guys We're talking about some hot shits, all the sexy girls, oh all the God. fly, all the fly girls, all the sexy guys. <laughs> what are you doing? Sexy guys. What are you doing? <laughs> you see, your mouth never like allow the words come out. <laughs> no, see, that's the thing. You don't appreciate my artistic. I know Hajjo would appreciate that.